In the book of Luke, we read about the most exciting event to ever happen in our world, the birth of Christ. Luke's gospel lays out a story filled with anticipation, intrigue, wonder, and hope-filled news for humankind. It was the day when God's great plan of salvation and redemption was irrevocably launched. And as we look to the cast of characters God gathered together, our eyes are open to a new response, focus, and growth in the Christmas season. And may our Christmas be filled with the same worship as the scholars and astronomers who offered gifts to the King of all kings. Welcome, everyone. We wish you a Merry Christmas, and I'm so happy that you're with us today. I want to begin by teaching you a new word, all right? Whether you're a big person in the room or a little person in the room, this was a new word to me. It's a, a word that represents a group of people, and it was one that I didn't know about, but I was just recently reading about it. You ready to hear the word? All right. The word is kidult. Have you ever heard this word? Kidult. It's the word kid and adult put together, and it doesn't refer to adults that still have, like, bathroom humor, okay? That would be, like, more than half of the room or something like that. This kidult means, uh, it's actually a group of people, adults, that still buy kid toys, all right? This is a big deal because this is a growing market and industry. Uh, I I don't know if your parents do this or not. Don't out them in church today, okay? But uh, these are adults um, who buy kid toys for themselves. <laughs> uh, they are 25% of people who buy toys right now. Uh, that, that represents $9 billion in industry. Anyone have a baby Yoda, right? Uh, how about a uh, light bright from Stranger Things, all right? Whether it's Marvel, Star Wars, Barbie, Hot Wheels, Legos, they are now marketing all of these toys to adults who actually have the money to buy these toys in the first place, and it has been on the rise ever since the pandemic. Now, as uh, we think about this word, I realized that I needed to tell the young people in the room about it because I hope that your parents give you lots of Christmas gifts tonight or tomorrow or whenever you do that, but you might want to make sure that they're buying that gift for you and not actually buying the gift for themselves Right? Okay? So make sure. And uh, I have to admit, when my kids, they, they come and they say, hey, Dad, I need help on, like, this sonic level. I can't beat the boss. I'm like, yeah, you came to the right guy, you know? All right? Whether it's uh, Angry Birds or Mario Kart, bring it on. I'm ready to go. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Now, as we think about the idea of gifts for a few minutes together, it's easy to buy a gift for yourself. It's a little bit more difficult to buy a gift for someone else, right? Especially gifts for kids. What do you get a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, right? You want the gift to be thoughtful, not cheap, uh, not expensive either. Uh, you want it to be something that lasts. I mean, you ask a nine and a seven-year-old as, as the example, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, they'll tell you what they want. But the, the key is, will they still want it three months from now? <laughs> or will it just be sitting in a box somewhere no longer used? As we think about gifts today, we're going to use the help of a Bible story to help us talk about gift giving, to to receive and to give gifts. And it's the the story of the Magi or the wise men. 
If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, I'll also show it here in the screen, on the screen in just a minute. But this is part of our series that we've called The Cast of Christmas. And we've been looking at different characters in the nativity story and what they teach us about who God is and what God did in human history. When he intervened himself, born as a baby, and then he brings us back into a right relationship with God through his ministry, through his sacrifice, through his resurrection, we learn about our Father in heaven. It's a story that we've been telling all month. It's the story you heard read by the kids tonight. Such an incredible and powerful, compelling story. And the magi or the wise men, they're going to help us see this story from a particular angle that I think is incredibly helpful. Now, Uh, What we learn through the birth of Jesus is this, that God loves everyone, and he wants to draw near to them, so he gives the most precious gift he could himself, his very own son. And Jesus is visited by the Magi, who bring some gifts of their own. Now, you probably already know what these gifts are. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But, but first, I need to set this up. Uh, this story is a little bit complicated, and it's a little bit um, worrisome to many of us Christians who've heard like the Sunday school version or like we've watched the nice little movie, we sang the hymns, and we've learned it a particular way. When we like dive in for just a few minutes and look at the Magi, there's really a story here that could be a little bit unsettling for some of us, maybe even problematic, but I think this will shed light on the Christmas story and really what you and I should be doing in response to the gift of God. So with that said, Matthew Chapter 2, we'll begin in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, or we prefer often to call them the wise men, they came from the east to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? And this raises all sorts of other questions like, who are the magi and where are they actually from? specifically, like, okay, the East. (laughs) Uh, How do they know about Jesus? What exactly do they know about Jesus? Well, they know that a king was born, a king of the Jewish people. We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Lots of clues already being given to us about these characters. When, G, uh, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. He's going, wait a minute, another king was born? Nobody told me about this, and some guys all the way out east already know about it? When he had called them together, he created this plot. He called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them, where is the Messiah? He knew, King Herod knew the Jewish people. There's going to be a baby that's born. He's going to rule the people. He's he's God in the flesh, the Christ, the anointed one that's going to save the people of God. Where is he going to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So Herod's like, aha, got it, Bethlehem. Then Herod called the Magi secretly 
And he found out from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened up their treasure box, if you will. They have this box of treasures, and they present him with gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. We're going to keep the sermon thoughts brief together in our time here so we can't focus on all of the details in the story. We're not going to talk a lot about Herod. We're not going to talk a lot about the star or the town of Bethlehem. We're going to hone in and focus on the magi, the wise men in particular, and the gifts that they bring. So first, as we think about these guys, who were the magi? The the word magi is immediately concerning to some of us because it's the word from which we get our word magic. Like, we're taught in church, like, you don't do that, right? (laughs) um, And uh, these are astronomers and astrologers. These are people that are wise and they can read the skies and they are actually servants to the king. They're probably advisors, like high-ranking officials, to the king. And when we begin to dive in, we, we, we can't know with certainty uh, exactly who they were and how many and where they're from, but we have some good insights from the story that we just read. One is this. They were likely from Persia. Uh, here's one of the earliest uh, depictions that we have of the Magi. It's on a sarcophagus. It's it's like on a a tomb, and and it's a statue uh, carved into the side here. But you look at that, and you go, yeah, that doesn't quite do it. And this is one of the earliest. If you go a couple hundred years later, you get this picture. This gives us a little more detail. It's from 565 AD, so I know several hundred years later. But here you, you see this representation. You can tell by their dress and uh, the way it's depicted that likely the, these guys were from Persia. They would have been advisors to the king. Now, it's interesting to remember that Persia took over Babylon. That God's people were in Babylon in exile for a time. That's when the book of Daniel was written. Do you remember what Daniel and his buddies were to the king? They were advisors. They were wise men. They were dream interpreters. Is it perhaps the case that this idea of a king being born, that, that the law, that A fear of the God who created all things was passed down from generation after generation in a pagan land. And that these modern day first century wise men knew something of the story of Jesus all the way back from Daniel. Well, they come to Jesus and this, if if this is true, this would have taken several months They see the star. They begin to understand what it means. They have to round up and travel. We think there were three of them because there were three gifts. It could have been more. could have been less. But we believe there was an entourage, right? You're not going to travel in the ancient world like 
for months at a time, you've got to prepare food, you've got to have some bodyguards, right? There's some security if you're going to be carrying gold and frankincense and myrrh. Like, you're just not going to go off in the wilderness by yourself. And so this group of people come and report to Herod, show us where he is. And he's like, hold on, I don't know anything about this. When they finally get to Jesus and they bring these gifts, here's the greatest providential piece of the story. It's likely these important and wealthy gifts that funded Mary and Joseph and Jesus' journey to Egypt when they had to flee as a poor young couple the wrath of Herod that was about to come. God was already providing for them. Absolutely incredible. Well, there's a lot more that we could say about these guys, but the the star was their sign. It leads them to Jesus in the manger. But uh, this is another part of the story that maybe we hadn't considered. It's that if it took them months to get there, they probably weren't there on the night when he was born. (laughs) Right with the shepherds and the angels and everybody else. It could have been many months later. It could have been as long as two years later. Jesus is now a child when they come to visit. And Herod, he executes the babies that are two years old and under. So some time has passed. Now, all of that is is the magi, the wise men. And now we want to turn our attention and our focus on the gifts that they bring to him. This is so interesting. As we think about bringing a gift to the baby Jesus, I wonder what would you and I bring? Like we already know what they brought, but what would we bring? I have a friend who he was he was able to meet the Pope. All right, he's not Catholic. He's like a non-denominational preacher like me. But through a friend, they were going to Rome and they got a chance to meet the Pope. He's like, well, I. I mean, yeah, I guess if you get a chance to meet the Pope, you meet the Pope. And so uh, he is a big, he lives in Chicagoland area. He's a big uh, baseball fan. And so what did he take? He gave the Pope, like there's a picture of him giving the Pope a Cubs jersey. What? I don't know if he wears it under his robe. Probably not. But right, like what, what, what do you take? What do you bring when you go to meet someone important, especially when you're meeting the King of the Jews, right? The Savior of the world. The one that for thousands of years we have waited on to save all of humanity from their sins. Well, they bring him gifts that are fitting for a king. Gifts that are fitting for a God. Uh, Here's what we learn about these gifts. First, um, in fact, this may be difficult, but I I wanted to uh, bring the gifts with me here. And and I wanted to get some feedback. Um, Would uh, Brody, are you in? You want to come tell us about this or no? Not so much. Anybody? Who, uh, who, who will come and tell me about this gift? No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No? Anybody brave? Anybody brave? Not Coop? Okay. All right. I'll do this myself. Anybody? Someone's leaving me hanging. Little one? Who can come help me? I just want you to tell me about this gift. All right. Come on, Scar. <laughs> Didn't you just read? Okay. She's brave. Thank you. Now, they bring gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, look at this, though. This is, this is uh, interesting. Um, th- this is the gold. Tell us a little bit about that. These are actually gold flecks in a jar. Do you see that? Okay, don't steal it, all right? Uh, I got to use this for two more services. But here, here's what I want you to see. This is the frankincense. Does, does it sm- t- smell it? Feel it? What is, what is it like? Does it have a smell? Is it nice? Is this what you would bring to Jesus? No, Okay. <laughs> 
Um, and then myrrh. Look at this now. Normally myrrh, it would have been an oil. Uh, but uh, here it's in a rock or crystallized form. All right. Thank you, Scarlett. Any, any word about these gifts? What do you think? It's good? Baby toys, ah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, that would be good for Jesus. This was good for his, his parents. Now, um, these gifts, they represent certain things. Gold was for a king. Frankincense or incense, frankincense, same. This is for his deity, the fact that you would worship this individual. And then myrrh, it was often used in oil form for burial. It, it would prepare a body for burial. Now, did the Magi have a deep and full understanding of what they were giving Jesus in this moment? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, remember the disciples on the night he was betrayed? They still didn't get it after three years. But what an incredible and symbolic picture. You know what, though, is so important about these gifts? It's not the gifts themselves. You don't worship the gift, you, you worship the giver, right? The gift is the means through which you show reverence and respect and adoration to the one that you give the gift to. Absolutely incredible. So when the Magi give these gifts to Jesus, they're actually showing their worship to him. That's what this is all about. Now, if if they only understand him as king of the Jews, and that's as far as it goes, just another ruler leading the people, that's fine. If they understand fully, no, no, this is God's son. He's the Messiah, the one came, that, that came to save us from our sins. And we know that he will die, that he will be buried, that he will be raised again. And these are the gifts that represent that. Fine, fine, fine. We know that that's the case on this side of the cross. It was an act of worship. That's the word that Matthew uses. That's the word that the Magi use when they talk to Herod. We have come to worship this baby. Let me show you that word real quick. In the original Greek language, the word is proskuneo, all right? The word proskuneo is to worship, to bow or kneel. And then literally this word pros is toward kuneo, to kiss toward. For us, worship is this incredible act of adoring, of revering, of placing something else ahead of ourselves, of giving something our affection, and being willing to sacrifice for it. That's what these wise men do. The Magi, they give their affection to Christ. And I think for us, it raises this question, how do we worship? What gift do we bring? D does Jesus have our affection or are our loyalties divided? What do we think about when we wake up and when we go to bed? What are the things that vie for our attention? The, the success, the children, our careers, right? Uh, earning an income, etc. Or do we give full devotion to Christ? To worship him is to place him first, to bow down to, to worship by kissing toward the one whom has our affection. And sometimes this requires great sacrifice. Uh, the Magi, they travel for months. They use their own expenses and checkbook. They give gifts to Jesus, all at an expense and a cost to them. They use their time. They use their talents. They use their treasures. And they all 
matter in this gift and in the sacrifice. So how about us? What does it look like for us to begin growing in our worship of Jesus in a sacrificial kind of a way? Here's the deal. God gave the greatest gift in humanity when he gave us Jesus. And in return, Jesus wants us to give him our lives. It's a free gift, this thing that we call grace. We don't have to do anything to earn God's love, to earn salvation. It is a free gift. But let me tell you what, it will cost us to follow Jesus all the days of our life. And so as we come to Christmas this evening, tomorrow morning, I want us to reflect on the baby in the manger, the gift of God. And I want us to think about this. What is it that we would bring to the king? What is it that God asks for from you and from me? Of course, he asks us to give his life, to give our life to him as he gave his life for us. And so if there's anyone this weekend that has not yet placed their faith and trust in Jesus, please do it today. What better time to place your faith and trust in Jesus than when we receive the gift of him at birth to receive his grace at the same time. What I'm going to do now, I'm going to close with a word of prayer, and we're going to get out our candles after that, and we're going to close out our services with a singing of Silent Night. Uh, This gives us an opportunity to do the very thing that we are talking about, to worship the light of the world who drives out darkness. And so let's pray, and in a spirit, spirit of reverence and adoration, let's worship the King of Kings, the babe that was born to us. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And I pray that today we would decide again and again to give our lives to you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for the example of these men from the East who show us how to bow before our Lord and Savior and to lift our worship to you in his name. And everybody said, amen.